Hey, you're listening to the Church Planters Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Floro. Thank you so much for jumping on and listening to today's episode as I interview Mark McDonald. Mark is a church branding specialist and the author of the book, Be Known for Something. In this interview, Mark gives us practical strategies as to how to be known for the things that we want to be known for in our communities. It's going to be an incredible encouragement to you and very helpful as you're planning out the branding strategies for your church plant. And if you haven't done so already, jump on and hit subscribe, leave a rating or review to get the content from this episode out to other church planters so that it can be helpful for them as well. With that said, let's jump now into my interview with Mark McDonald. Well, hey, we got Mark McDonald on the podcast. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. We talked a little bit on the front end about your book, Be Known for Something, and how impactful it was uh, on me as we're approaching this church planting thing. So um, really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, would you start with just um, giving a brief overview of how you came to writing the book, Be Known for Something? I know that there's a lot that you put in the book, but why don't you give our, our listeners a little bit of an understanding of who Mark McDonald is and how you got to this spot? Well, and it's interesting because I can't believe I get to do what I get to do. Uh, I, I'm from East Coast, Canada, so people will probably hear a little bit of the out and about and how You got the aboot and you got A? Are you going to drop a couple of A's for us? I, I don't use A. I tend to do that on social media more than like in writing than in, in words, but uh, I grew up in East Coast Canada in New Brunswick, and uh, which is is just up the road from you now. Not far. Uh, jump on ninety five, go due north, and we're like I don't know fourteen hours north of you. It's crazy that there's fourteen hours above where we are because we did the trek from Jacksonville all the way up ninety five, and I felt like we pretty much went to the end, but there's still quite yeah a bit more. and. And East Coast Canada, because uh, as soon as you get to the top of Maine, you hang right to mm-hmm. Atlantic Canada, and Atlantic Canada is in a whole other time zone, so it's a it's a, a full hour off. So crazy, uh, but we're now in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we came through Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, had a great opportunity there to uh, come and be a. a uh, director of marketing for a company. And then God just really laid on my heart that why don't you set up an agency and start working with churches? So we started working with churches and and God just opened up so many doors where we're the national arm for for several uh, national church, you know, business administration and church facility managers and uh, design bu- church design builders. So we started you know, kind of being propelled onto the national stage. And then along the way, people said, so if you're speaking about this, can you start writing about it as mm-hmm. if that's the same uh, technique, but it really isn't. And and so I thought, well, I mean, I could try. And, uh, and we've just had uh, a little over 800 magazine articles published. And, uh, and from that, the book came along and, uh, a publisher in Houston asked if I would write a book, which is again, a, a full other technique because short form articles are, are one thing and, and sitting down and writing a book, but, but really the book 
uh, I kind of, I went back to the origin story of, of when I was in New Brunswick, I ended up, I sang at a lot of funerals, which just seems like an odd thing to just throw out there, but sure. <laughs> but next door to, I was senior creative director for one of Eastern Canada's largest ad agencies. Next door to us was a funeral home. And they asked me, hey, we know you sing, so would you come over and sing at some of the funerals that are happening in town? If they say, we just want a male singer, I didn't know them, they didn't know me, and I would just show up and I I became the funeral singer for my community. And, wow. uh, and through that, I just, I had... Um, I couldn't believe the emotions that I had during funerals and I fell in love with the lost. Mm. And, uh, and there were so many families there that I would, I mean, they had no connection to church or, or anybody who could possibly sing and, and they just had no hope Mm. and it, and it just grieved me. And, and the more that I sang, uh, the more I started to dissect, I'm a people watcher. So I, I watched how all of these funerals took place. And there was always somebody that stood up and said, uh, so let me tell you about my uncle or let me tell you about my aunt. And and through that, they would oftentimes reveal something about this person who had passed away. And then they would always say, I don't even know whether they knew this. Hmm. And I thought, you know, it really is. Um, you know, as a, even as a believer, when we get to the end of our life, what will we be known for? Hmm. And, and that whole premise, as I started working in, you know, I was working in branding on secular side, when I started working in the church world in branding, I mean, everyone didn't want to talk about branding when we first started, which was 20 some years ago. And, you know, oh my goodness, we don't talk about branding. We're a church. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't need branding. And so, uh, so instead of talking to pastors about branding, I started twisting it a little bit and saying, so what do you think you're known for in your community? Mm-hmm. And, and every pastor wants to talk about that because it's sure. always, oh, that's a good question. So, so from that, be known for something started and we started uh, it's just another way of saying church branding sure. and and making sure that the church knows how to become known for something that's relevant and needed in their community so that the community once again will just look up. So that's how the book kind of came about. It, it goes walks through the entire process that we uh, that we use here at the agency. And the cool thing is is that, uh, only because I was trying to fill words at the very beginning, I decided at the end of every chapter, what if I had kind of a workbook where mm-hmm. I'm asking questions, the questions that I would typically ask as I was uh, working with the church. And, uh, and then it just kind of became fun because it made it highly practical. So each of the, you know, each of the chapters end with those questions to, to make it a really highly practical book. To, to read and it became an Amazon bestseller, which is just like mind blowing for me. That's crazy. That's awesome, man. And that, and that gives a lot of perspective. Um, when you think about that idea of being known for something from the perspective of a funeral, uh, because I mean, we've all been in those, those situations where 
somebody gets up and, and shares, well, this is what this person was known for. They were, you know, I, I think about my, my wife's grandfather was the guy at church that had the, uh, the Werther's originals. So every time you go to, he was the, the Werther's original guy, he'd give you a Werther's original and, um, crazy what people are known for. Right. And you talk but, about that. It's, uh, yeah. It's, but it's interesting because I mean, here's Jesus with his disciples near the end of, you know, just before he was crucified. So, um, you know, uh, Judas betrays him and, and like, I can just imagine he leaves the room, closes mm-hmm. the door and everyone's just sitting there thinking, so something's going to happen here. And, and I think that all the disciples at that point were just like, oh my goodness, like, like, what if this is the end? And I love the fact that one of the disciples says, so if we're your, your followers, your Christ followers, what will we be known for? And, mm-hmm. and Jesus said, oh, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. Mm-hmm. And the, that's, that just is mind blowing to me because uh, you know, all the perception studies of the church right now, if you ask the unchurched, we're not known for love in the church. Instead, we're known for what we're against. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I constantly have to remind myself, it's like, okay, now take a step back. I know it's good to, to make sure that all the jots and tittles are just perfect, but are you ultimately known for love? And I think that we're all challenged by that. Uh, the you know the books forward was written by Gary Chapman, a good friend, mm-hmm. who wrote Five Love Languages, and and the reason why I wanted him to write the the forward was because he talks in his books about okay, so it's okay to love, but if it's not received as love, is it really love? Mm-hmm. And and just being able to to be on the receiving end for a second and say, okay, if I'm advocating for the person who's receiving it, how do I make sure that the, that love is, is received as love. And in the same sense, we're all, we're supposed to be known for love in the church, but how do we communicate it so that it actually gets received in the communication? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's fascinating about, uh, what you write about in uh, in the book, you you talk about maybe the first step is just that self awareness on on uh, you know you mentioned the the question Jesus asks uh, who do people say that I am uh, and that's a question that that we as the church you you bring, present that in the book as a question we should ask uh, our, ourselves of who who do people in our community say that we are how are we known. Um, why don't you share a little bit about what that process uh, of coming to that point of self-awareness looks like? How how can a church um, do that effectively where they're able to have an, an accurate picture of how they're perceived in the community? Well, you know, it really is just basically uh, understanding that who you're talking to is incredibly important. Um, I, I shouldn't have to even remind church planters because oftentimes church planters go into a a community. If you don't know the community, it's really hard to talk to them. Uh, so, so we always, our full process walks through, uh, okay, so who are you talking to? Who are, who's the potential neighborhood that we call the reach area? 
And, and oftentimes, you know, people always say, so how big is the reach area? Is it five mile radius? Is it 10 mile radius? We like to start when it's an established church, having them plot on a map, all their family units. If you don't, you know, and create a polygon shape around them, remove some outliers, you know, find out where the main clustering is, because we want to know actual reach area where if somebody is willing to drive into your church from an area and, and there's several people in that area, uh, you know, the, the joy of marketing is that birds of a feather tend to flock together. So, so usually if you're attracting from a group, from a, from an area in your community, we know that there's lots more in that area that are probably very uh, similar. If you're a church planner and you, and you really don't have a lot of people coming, then you could start with a, um, a five mile radius, but I would caution you because um, like, again, I would rather start with a smaller area than too large of an area because pinpointing a, an, an audience and an area in a community, um, you know, the, the smaller it is, the easier it is to reach them. And, uh, you know, that's really the principle of the book as well, is just trying to figure out, so who are you talking to? Uh, so in that caution, I would rule out any time that someone has to cross a major geographic divide. So if they're driving across a river or over a mountain range or across, even sometimes in communities, we'll often see where the clustering happens just along a highway. So, so start with a five mile radius, but then start removing some of the, okay, they probably won't drive across the river. They probably won't cross that highway. So, so really just trying to identify who you're trying to talk to. Uh, and then, I mean, ultimately the reason why you want to try to identify them is to get a good demographic study done. We, we use a demographic process here where we, you know, it's like 30 some pages of, of information. Most denominations will, will have uh, the ability to be able to give you, if you say, here's our reach area, tell us who's in this reach area. Because the people who are coming from that area are coming to your church, you should be able to see, oh, yeah, there's the people, they're, they're like the people who are coming to our church because the church is a subset of the, of the community. And then just really break it down into needs, concerns, and goals. So, you know, what are their biggest needs? Are you going to be a solution to that? Are, what's their biggest concern? And are you going to be a solution to that? Or what's their biggest goal? And ultimately, can you give them a path to achieve that goal? And, and you know, in the story brand, you know, Donald Miller's book, he always says that you've got to come alongside, make them the hero of the story and that somebody comes alongside and helps them. That's what the church just needs to reach out and say, okay, we're not the hero of the story. You are. What are your big needs and concerns or goals? And then how can we walk alongside of you and help you uh, overcome them or achieve them? And, and that there it is. That's all you have to do. That's it. And if you can do that, you're reaching, reaching everybody. That's awesome. Um, so in the book, you talk about uh, the difference between having a mission statement or a vision statement, and then you you separate that from what you call the thread. And uh, oftentimes as churches, we can focus heavy on that mission statement as like a hoorah, let's 
take the mountain. And you caution against that. You you, you say, let's focus more on the thread. Uh, share why that is and, and, and share what you mean by thread and uh, and then share why maybe we, we, we pull the pedal back a little bit on, on mission statement and focus on the thread. Sure. So mission, vision, and values, it seems like it's the trend right now. Everybody loves that. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that the reason why churches love it is because they can go into this process to figure out let's, and I call it navel gazing, I think in the book, <laughs> uh, like let's look at our belly buttons and explain and explain why we do what we do. And, and like sometimes for months, like just crafting the words and making sure that it's just the right way and said, and it's like, Oh my goodness. At the end of that process, typically they all sound about alike because they all are scriptural, all biblical. The reason why you're doing it, but that's not the reason why somebody in your community will want to come to your church. You know, what we need to do is we need to go and make disciples. And and the problem is, is that most of our mission, vision, and values are so overly spiritual and pithy sounding, uh, you know, like make mature, multiply disciples for Jesus Christ. Well, you, you spew those words into a community who doesn't even know that they need Jesus. And they're thinking, yeah, I'm going to ignore that. So, and the moment they start to ignore your messaging, they just, they just tune you out. It's kind of like driving by Costco. If you've never thought about ever going to a Costco or you thought, why would I pay money to go to shop? Like that just doesn't make sense. Well, all of a sudden you just drive by it on a regular basis and you could care less about it. And that's where the community is today. They're driving by our churches and they're totally ignoring us because our messages are so overly spiritual and they don't think that they need uh, anything spiritual. Instead, they have needs, concerns, and goals that are oftentimes what we would call secular. They're waking up in the morning and they're, they're, there's things that are keeping them awake at night or, or the first thing is on the, on their mind is they're, you know, they're showering in the morning and it's just like, Oh my goodness, I need to fix this. Or I really wish I could uh, actually achieve these things. And, and they, they oftentimes like, there's not a lot of people that wake up in the middle of the night and say, Oh, if only I had Jesus. (laughs) Like, and that's the problem is that if we talk to something that isn't a perceived need, then it's just going to be totally ignored. So, so what we want to do is take mission, vision, and values, flip it over into a solution to a need or concern or a path to a goal. And then you, you know, that's what we're calling a thread. Unite everything that you do around one concept, mm-hmm. one thing that the person in the community would say, you know what? I didn't expect to get that from a church, but that's what I need right mm-hmm. now. And then if you can if you can connect with them and engage with them on a thread that they actually need, then the value of the church is that we can connect them to the scarlet thread, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, and I love I love that approach because when you look at the gospels and you see how Jesus interacted with the crowds, usually the people that are that are not religious, uh, he would always start with the physical need. And so... Uh, how many times in the Gospels do we see people 
look to Jesus as the one who can heal them. Uh, over and over, you see those examples of, man, that's the guy that can heal him. And, and even um, the woman at the well, the woman at the well walks up and he, I mean, he could talk to her about anything. Like he knew everything about her. And instead mm-hmm. he, he starts talking to her about water and water. I, I, drink this water and be born again. Like, I mean, seriously, like that it, there's a huge leap, but then Jesus masterfully connects to the scarlet thread. But what if I could give you water that you never thirst again? And then she says, Oh my goodness, tell me more. And that's where we as a church tend to say stuff and people say, tell me less. And if yeah. we can talk and show love by saying, we want to help you where you're at, then they'll say, okay, tell me a little bit more. And that's where, that's the sweet spot where our, all of our churches need to be. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and so with, with this thread, you talk about uh, really leaning into one thing and, and that one thing be the driver for all of your messaging, all of the ways that you communicate. Uh, a question I'm sure you get a lot that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are even asking themselves, how in the world can we summarize all that we do as a church into one thing? Yeah, you can't. There, there, that's, we can just finish at that <laughs> point, right? So, so it's really tough because it's not everything you do is just something that will engage with your community. Mm-hmm. And then everything else comes alongside of it. So, so just get them interested in your church and then say, oh, and by the way, we also do that with kids or we do it with the students or we do it with uh, seniors or, or whoever your audiences are. And, and the thing is, is that uh, really just concentrate on engaging, like just figure out what can you engage with and like this is DNA level because you know, a lot of people say, yeah, but what if the pastor changes? Well, it's not about the pastor. It's about the people. Mm. And, uh, you know, understanding your audience, like everything rises and falls on that. So, so as long as your community has stayed about the same and has the, those similar concerns, needs, and goals, uh, just concentrate on one thing, concentrate on one solution, and then make a promise to them you talk to us and we're going to help you with this and help in a specific way so that they say, tell me more. That's good. Um, so, so I'd like to get a little bit of free consulting if that's okay, since, since we're here on the the podcast together and use ourselves as a, as a demonstration, there's some aspirational things that I'd love to be known for, but just in the life of where we're at as a church plant, we're just not quite there yet. Uh, but I would love to be known as the church that, uh, is great with with kids and is great for families. How how would you suggest that we narrow in on the thread uh, for for our church? I would caution you a little bit about aspirational threads, mainly because um, people need to like they need to bite <laughs> like if the hook in the water and they get attracted to you all and they engage with you. And then if they arrive and it's not there, then that bait and switch can oftentimes drive people away. So really concentrate on what you currently have and then use that momentum as a win to build on other wins. But the thread ultimately needs to just be simple, 
he's to some people call it a tagline. We don't like calling it a tagline because it's it's much more valuable than a tagline. People think taglines can be just thrown away and changed a lot. This is a DNA level thing, so it's you know really concentrating on something three to five words that people can use on a regular basis. It's easy for a pastor to use from the pulpit. Um, and then you want to have it to a point where you use it so consistently, constantly, and so controlled that people start spitting it back. So when people say, I love coming to this church because of this, um, and, and that's where, that's where your brand starts, uh, you know, taking on a life of its own. So what we like to do is we like to, you know, because everything rises and falls in how well you know your audience. So we, we really want to define your stereotypical group. So if you're saying we really want to talk to families, what you need to do is start thinking, okay, do I concentrate on the kids or do I concentrate on the parents? Um, kids have fewer problems in, than parents do. I believe, um, and well, we could go down that rabbit trail, but the, as parents, like if you're really concentrating on the parent, I would say, okay, so define as a parent of young kids or a parent of kids in general, uh, you know, what are their big needs? What are their big concerns? Like not, not spiritual things, but just things that just, they go you know, they, they focus on all the time, define that into a really nice, clean paragraph. So that you're just talking about, you know, you know, we always like to name them. And what we do is we say, okay, so they're typically, you know, most people are getting uh, married uh, later in their twenties, early thirties. They're having kids within three years. So they're 33 to 35 if they're elementary. So like, uh, you know, just start doing as much research as possible on on that group of people. And then what we do is we subtract their age from the year that, you know, that you're writing your paragraph. You come up with a birth date and then we go in and we search for names, you know, most popular names for the, that age. So we find an, a name of a person. Uh, is this going to be, you know, mainly Anglo? Are they Hispanic? You know, the, are they African-American? So like names can sometimes, you know, show all of those things. And then, and then really say, so what is some, what is one main need or one main concern or one main goal? And in the book, we talk about Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of needs and all of that stuff. So you, you want this to be like up, up the chain, like it needs to be something that, that most people in your community and sometimes demographics will actually reveal some of this. Um, but what is that big thing that you can speak a solution and the majority of people who are listening will go, you know what, that's, that's really what I need. Well, that's awesome. This has been so, so helpful for me personally. Uh, but also I know for, uh, those that are listening and, uh, 
how can they connect with you? How, how can they get more information? Obviously, uh, the, the book, Be Known for Something, you can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Uh, but if they want, if they read the book and they're like, man, I need to talk to Mark, I need to work this out a little bit more, how do they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So uh, on social media, just look up Mark McDonald and it's Mark MacDonald, M-A-C, uh, or Mark Mac 1023 is, uh, you know, most of my handles are under. Um, but if you go to uh, our website, which is benownforsomething.com slash subscribe, uh, every time that we publish a, a magazine article or, or some really helpful tips and tricks. Uh, you know, we usually wait a little bit of time so that the publication has first rights. Uh, but then after afterwards, every week we're sending out an email and you can subscribe to that email. So I, I would love for you all to connect there. Plus when you connect with that email, it'll give you some, uh, some discounts on some of the work that we're doing as well. That's awesome. Well, the book is Be Known for Something. Mark, thank you for taking time to join us here on the Church Planters Podcast. Thanks for having me. And what an awesome interview with Mark McDonald and even just the, the paradigm shift of thinking about church branding, not as spinning a message, but instead, uh, what we're known for, just even that paradigm shift is, is massive. And uh, so thank you again, Mark, for being on. I'm going to include the link to Amazon to buy his book, Be Known for Something. If you're a church planter and you're starting this journey of trying to discover how you're going to communicate your message to your community, this is a great book to pick up. And so I'll include that link. Thank you again for jumping on and listening to today's episode. If you haven't done so already, jump on and join our Facebook community, the Church Planters community, and join the conversation there. And, uh, and again, if you've not done so already, hit subscribe, leave a rating or review, and we'll see you next week on the Church Planters podcast.